Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast, The Road to Restoration. I'm Pastor Sergio Della Mora, and I'm so glad that you're joining me today. In fact, today we're doing something different. I want to remind you, whether you're on the road of restoration, you've fallen off the road, you're weary of being on the road, or maybe you need to get back up on the road to restoration, I want to encourage you that today's podcast is going to inspire you. In fact, today I'm doing something a little bit different. You're going to hear and see a podcast that I recorded with my good friend, Pastor George Molina from Lifeway Church in Buckeye, Arizona. We talked about discipleship. And the reason why I want you to see this, and I'm putting it on our podcast, The Road to Restoration, is because the the ultimate goal of restoration is that God can restore us back to being used by Him again and enter into a relationship of discipleship so that God can use your life. So whether you're discipling people or you're being discipled, the Bible says uh, in Matthew 28, 19, go out and make disciples. So all of us uh, need to become disciples and disciple makers. That's ultimately the call of God on all of our lives collectively, Second uh, Corinthians 5.20, that we are reconcilers to tell people to turn back to God. So today's podcast, uh, I hope you enjoy it. And I know that at the end of the podcast, I'll come back with some last remarks. And so enjoy this podcast. God bless you. I love the fact that you're talking about discipleship. Yeah, you know, Pastor... A lot uh, of podcasts don't talk about discipleship. No, no, we don't. No, they don't. But we, we, we feel like we have a call. Okay. There's a mandate on our church, on our ministry, to make disciples. And, uh, and Pastor, uh, you have discipled me in so many ways. I yeah. mean, you've been a mentor to me, a pastor to me. Uh, you have been such a good friend to me. You've opened up doors for me, opportunities to go and see places I never would have seen. And so I'm just I'm so grateful to God for you, and uh, just grateful to God for your friendship. Yeah. And uh, so welcome. Uh, are you glad to be with me, man? Well, I'm honored. Yeah. I'm honored to be with you. It's great to see what God's doing through you and yeah. Rosie. And it's obvious that you're in a new season, the season of growth, mm-hmm. new opportunities. Uh, you're expanding, and so I mean, anyone that has discipled anyone knows. That when I first met you, the beauty of discipleship is that you can see the fruit on the tree in the seed form. Mm. And so it was great to be able to know you when I think you were in more seed form mm. and to be able to see now the tree has grown and there's now fruit. Wow. And so I think the passion of being a discipler is that uh, you can see the future in the present in people. And then your responsibility is to call it out of them. Mm. So I think I've been one of the many voices that have helped call that out of you. So it's cool. Yeah. Thank you, Pastor Sergio. I really appreciate that. Uh, you know, and I want to f- also thank you on a little side note. I mean, you're wearing our glory merch Woo-hoo! right there. Like that. Thank you, man, for Gotta supporting represent. that. Got to, man. That's our theme for 2023, the year of glory. Thank you for representing that. And so we met many years ago in Australia That's right. at the Planet Shakers Conference. We started a friendship. You invited me to your conference, and then just things progressed from there. And, and you know, you just poured into my life, and because of that, the life of Lifeway as well. Yeah. And so we started this relationship. You know, I, I've, you know, I go back to the foundational scripture of discipleship, Matthew 28, 19. You know, go and make disciples. And that's the reason why you call it 28, 19. That's the, that's the reason why our podcast is 28, 19. It's, it's based on Matthew 28, 19. It's that mandate. You know, Jesus told us to do two things. Uh, Mark 16, 15, preach the gospel to everyone. Yes. And Matthew 28, 19, make disciples. Yes. And I think a lot of people do the preaching the gospel well. I mean, very well. 
The hard part is the discipleship, and it's, it's not the same. It's one thing to preach the gospel, but it's another thing, I believe, to make disciples. Now that we've gotten people saved, now we got to disciple them. It's, it's when we bring people to faith in Christ, they repent, they believe, but now they got to follow Christ. You know, like Jesus told his disciples, he said, you know, when he first meets them and, and, he, and he encounters them, and he sees Peter and Andrew, he says, follow me and I'll make you. That's the process of discipleship. You know, why do you think, why do you think that it's so hard to make disciples in, in today's culture? Because we're in a hurry. Okay. I think because um, our world has caused us all to feel like if something isn't happening fast, then it's not fruitful, uh, it's not meaningful, and we shouldn't place so much value in it. Mm. But discipleship is a process. Mm. It's honoring and valuing the process. For instance, a caterpillar doesn't need a miracle to become a butterfly. Mm. It just needs a process. That's good. And so, so many times we want, we want to assume that the, that the miracle happens upon saying the, the prayer, Jesus, come into my life. And we think that because we have confessed Christ, that we have converted to Christ. Confessing Christ as your Lord and Savior is one stage. But letting him convert you is another stage. Mm. So I think we become uh, committed more to how fast can we disciple someone? How fast can someone become um, a full-pledged Christian Mm -hmm. who yields and leads as opposed to helping them become what they need to be? Mm -hmm. And it takes time. So I think uh, people struggle with discipleship because it takes time. The other reason why I think people struggle with discipleship is because it takes investment. Mm-hmm. Um, Paul said in Galatians 4.19 that I'm birthing the birth pains until Christ is formed in you. Mm. So Paul said to the Galatians who were struggling, right? The Church of Galatia is a church that struggled. They started off in grace and then they, you know, Paul, um, Galatians 3.1, he says, you know, who bewitched you? Mm-hmm. Um, you, you started in the spirit, how are you going to be made perfect in the flesh? So they were battling. Mm-hmm. But Paul says, but I will not quit. He says, I'm like a parent, I'm like a mother, like a woman until who's birthing, until who experiences the birth pains until Christ is formed in you. Mm-hmm. So there is a pain to discipleship, an investment. And the investment is, um, if I spend all this time with you, doesn't guarantee, does it guarantee a return. Mm-hmm. And because our culture and society is so bent on return of investment mm. that, you know, we're constantly told don't spend, don't use your time energy where it's, you're not going to get the most return. Well, if you take that metrics and you put it on people, well, some people take years before they produce fruit. Right. Some people quickly. And so Paul shows us that there has to be an investment. Mm-hmm. It says, I labor with the pains of of birth until Christ is formed in you. So until Christ becomes formed in a person, it's going to take an investment. So we struggle with that part. And I think the other reason why we struggle with discipleship, not only is it time, that it takes time, it's not quick. Mm. It's also there's an investment. And so there's the unknown, will Mm -hmm. this work? And I think ultimately the third is because no one one discipled us. Mm. 
Because I think you, you're, I think in ministry, you're going to reproduce what you are. That's right, you are. And so, if no one ever invested in you, how can you see the value of investing in others? Mm-hmm. So, I think people don't have the revelation of discipleship because they never were discipled. Mm-hmm. And so, I think those are three reasons that I see. Um, and I could probably give you more, yeah, you know, reasons, but. Until someone, until you've let yourself be discipled, yeah. it's really hard to get the revelation of discipleship. Right. And so I think those are three basic reasons yeah. why I've seen. You know, I, there's a saying uh, I read many years ago. It says, to be discipled, it will lead you to make disciples. If you want to make disciples, you've got to be discipled first. And so I have discovered that in that process of discipleship, that it takes, it takes two parties. It takes a disciple's maker and a disciple. In other words, it takes someone to make a disciple and the investment. And a lot of people are not willing to make that investment because of what you said, because of the time. And, and it's like, oh, we need something quick. We, you know, we need something fast. We're thinking about growing our services, our church, and nothing wrong with trying to increase the scope of our outreach but we're so we're so attuned to the metrics, like you use that word, the numbers, the how many people are showing up on Sundays. But really, discipleship asks the question: Is how strong are they? Yeah, right. And so it takes a discipler and a disciple. Yes, and it's a commitment on both of them. Yes. Right. It's not just on on one. So I often get people ask me when we, when we're talking about discipleship here at Lifeway, they'll ask me, well, what's the curriculum you use? Yeah, and I tell them it's not about the curriculum. Yeah. It's about your heart and and you're sold into this and it does require sacrifice, doesn't it? It does. I just had a conversation with my son-in-law who's a pastor as well and we were talking about discipleship. And I was telling him um it doesn't matter what your strategy or your system looks like mm-hmm. in discipleship, the most important thing is who is doing the discipling. Mm-hmm. Because you reproduce what you are, not what you know. Mhm. So in discipleship, um, you can get committed to your curriculum, to your strategy, to your structure, which there's many, and it's good, mm-hmm. because you need a path. Mm-hmm. And I think the path tells you, okay, where's a starting point, where's an end? Mm-hmm. But I think in the midst of it, there has to be first a commitment to the di- who is doing the discipling. Yes. Because you could drop a discipler in any context, and by the time you come back six months later, they'll have leaders that they're they're discipling. Mm. You could drop someone in any business culture, in any business environment. If they're a coach by nature or paternal by nature, a developer by nature, they'll have a bunch of people that they're developing around them. Right. Because people gravitate always to the one who believes in them. Mm-hmm. So if you're a person that believes in others, it doesn't matter what the system is. What's most important is that it's being led by a person who disciples. Now, once that's established, then I would say absolutely it's important what you teach mm-hmm. in your curriculum. Because the truth sets us free. And Hosea said, my people suffer and are, are perish because of a lack of knowledge. So what we know is important as equally as what we don't know is important. Mm-hmm. So in essence, you get the discipler, the right person who's committed to discipling, and then you give him or her the right information so that they have the biblical revelation 
of what needs to be discipled in a person. Mm-hmm. Because when I talk to pastors and churches and leaders, because I do a lot of mentoring with pastors, their challenge is, okay, I want to lead leaders and I want to have a great leadership team, but what do you teach them? What do you say to them? I said, that's, and so that comes down to the curriculum. Mm-hmm. So ultimately, if you got the right discipler, then you give them the, the right curriculum. The curriculum always needs to reflect the pain of the people that you're called to liberate. That's right. So think about it. If you're if you're discipling people in an urban context, I'm gonna, we're going to say like in a place where there's they're coming out of addictions and relational issues, a lot of bondages, a lot of generational things. Maybe there's um, circumstances where there's a lot of hard pain. Mm-hmm. Well, what do the curriculum that you're going to give them? needs to focus on how to set them free from that from their bondages and issues. If you're in a suburban context where, you know, maybe people their issues are different. It's it could be issues of pride and self-righteousness. Not that these things don't exist everywhere. Yeah. But every context has different like the Church of Galatia had an issue, that the Church of Corinth had an issue. And the Church of Philippi had an issue. The Church of Rome had an issue. Mm. So Paul addressed each city based on the prevailing issues that they were dealing with. Right. So I would say your curriculum needs to be focused on the issues people are dealing with in your context. Right. Now, universally, let me say this. Everyone is dealing with sin. <gasps> Everyone is dealing with issues of brokenness. Mm-hmm. Everyone is dealing with issues of pride arrogance, self-centeredness. All of those things, because we have a sin nature, have to be addressed. So I think the curriculum should constantly address the goodness of God and the nature of man. Amen. That's good. As long as you're dealing with the nature of man, the curriculum is healthy because Mm. until we all realize how broken and lost we are, until we address our brokenness, our sense of lostness, our desperation for God and for truth, then we're always going to live a lie. Right. So you have to constantly deal with the lies that have lied to us and the lies that we've believed. Mm. And that is dealing with the ish, the nature of man, his desperate need for God. And then I think from there you build what's the next level of truth that they need to be brought into. That's good. And that is to see now, now that the sun has set you free, what does it mean to walk in freedom mm-hmm. and to deliverance and to liberty? Right. And I think oftentimes we we want to address their core sin issues, but then we want to move them on quickly. Mm. But I think you have to, um, a wise builder builds the foundation, builds the frame, puts in all the infrastructure, and none of that is sexy and cool. No, it's messy. It's messy. It's real messy. It's it's there's wires everywhere. It's it takes time. The person saying, When is, when are you gonna put the paint? I wanna see the landscape. It's mm-hmm. like, well, that's the end of discipleship. But I think if we can build upon people's knowledge of first of all, so this is what I ask people all the time okay. when I disciple. You know, what do you believe about God? About Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the church yourself, and your family. Mm, Identity. Your identity. That's good. If people don't have a clear sense of who they believe they are, who they believe God is, who Jesus is to them, the Holy Spirit, the church, then what will happen is 
People ultimately will default to what they believe before. That is good. They will default. They'll fall back. They, because crisis always reveals your core beliefs. When you're going through the fire, it doesn't matter what people taught you at that point. You're going to live out what you believed they taught you. Man, that is so heavy. That is so good because a lot of times people get so enthusiastic and they're learning and they're learning and then yeah. boom, the enemy hits them and they revert. They go back to what they've known, what's really on the inside. And that's why discipleship takes time. Yes. And it takes investment. It takes, it's messy. Like you said, it's, it's not sexy. It's not, you know, uh, but here's the thing I would say too, is that if you are going to make disciples, the context has to be in the context of relationship. Yes. Like there has to be a relational part to it because without relationship, you really can't address those hard issues or or begin to speak into them. It's it's that old John Maxwell saying, you know, it's not no one cares how much you know until they know how much you care. And and so there's that relational part, that relationship that allows you to speak into somebody's life because they know that you really care about them. That you're not just correcting them, yes. but you're correcting them because you love them. So if people believe this, you know, concept of discipleship that it's a class and all you're doing is spewing information or, or knowledge, powerful knowledge, right? Curriculum or whatnot, but the teacher isn't invested in relationship with the the student, it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't. Unfortunately, and a lot of a lot of church has been built off of that. Take a class, get the knowledge, then you're good to go. Well, when you're dealing with the hearts of people and you're dealing with the souls of people, it's a little more complicated than that. And especially if we're forming disciples who will lay, you know, Jesus said, come follow me. And then he said, come die with me. Yes. So we all love the idea of following Jesus, but it's the idea of dying with Jesus that mm -hmm. we struggle with. And so Jesus said in John 12, 24, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears forth much fruit. Mm. So without a, a seed for it to sprout and produce a tree that produces fruit, when it goes into the earth, the seed, the moisture of the soil causes the, the, hard, the seed's hard shell to soften mm -hmm. so that over time, the life that is in the seed can burst through. Mm -hmm. So the seed needs to be moistened. The heart needs to be moistened mm -hmm. so that the potential in the person can start coming through. And the truth is that potential will always penetrate and always break through over time if the soil is prepared. Mm -hmm. So that's why Jesus said in Mark chapter 4, of other different hearts. Mm -hmm. He said one heart is so hardened that when the seed falls, the enemy snatches it up right away. Yeah. Some soil has rocks in it. So it grows for a while, but it doesn't endure. Mm -hmm. Some soil, it's the cares of the world. There's thorns Lawrence. and thistles, the cares of the world, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, all the things that worldliness brings. Um, it, it allows it to grow, but it never can penetrate and go through the thorns because those thorns are so real. They get choked up and everything. Everything gets choked. But then when you get to the, the soil that can produce 60, uh, uh, 90, 100, 
that soil is moist. So it's always about the soil. The seed can be powerful. It could have massive potential. The, the teaching can be truth. And, and so we always ask, like, why did that good sermon, that amazing sermon, transform this person but put this person to sleep? It's just the heart. Mm-hmm. Basically, the, the heart's not ready to receive it. Yeah. Because so your heart has to be ready to be discipled. Yeah. And when it is, you grow quicker, yeah. faster, healthier, mm-hmm. because there isn't anything that's stopping the heart. Mm-hmm. So that's why <clears throat> the disciple has to constantly allow their heart to be pruned, tested, challenged. And the discipler has to be willing to confront. And confrontation isn't seen as love. It's seen as an act of aggression. When the truth is, if he confronts us, it's because he loves us. Mm. But without confrontation, there isn't real transformation. Mm. That's so good. You know, the confrontation is about is about making us better. It's about addressing those issues in our lives that are hindering growth. And again, it takes that that relationship, hey, this person loves me and he loves me enough to confront me on these things. It's the ironing of sharp sharpening iron, right? And a lot of times, especially in our culture today, that's not something that we value. It's the opposite. Yeah. It's the opposite. And so everything that we're doing in the disciple making culture uh, runs contrary to the culture, and I, I've I've just noticed that what we what we've done is we've confused making the church accessible. We want it to be accessible to everybody, but we've made we've confused accessibility with you know making it easy, yeah, and comfortable, you know. And so discipleship never happens in the context of comfort. I've I've learned yeah. the opposite. It's uncomfortable. Would you say that? It is. And so, but I also want to say this, I think it's important, is that the discipler has to be consistent too. Yes. Because a lot of times what happens is the discipler doesn't have the problem confronting. Because something happens when you're the leader, you're granted permission to speak into people's lives. Mm -hmm. So whatever you say is oftentimes received as, well, this is the will of God for me. So the leader gets the privilege to say to the disciple, mm-hmm. this is what I think the Lord wants you to do, and it's great. And But if the leader is not consistently following up with the disciple, then that's where the disconnect happens. Mm-hmm. There's a responsibility on the disciple to stay open and committed, but there's a, I think the big responsibility is on the discipler, mm-hmm. who will not just confront you, but will be consistent with you in love. Mm -hmm. Because we don't change just because someone told us the brutal truth. Mm. We do. Some of us, we, you know, we can, we can receive truth from anything and everything. Nature can teach us. Circumstances teach us. A random conversation can teach us because our spirit is poised. But I want to really say to the discipler, Mm -hmm. you've got to be committed to walk the journey out with them. Yes. To not just bail just because your disciple made a bad decision. Right. Because sometimes your disciples are going to make crazy decisions. They're going to be like Peter. They're going to lie and they're going to, you know, deny you. You know, they're going to be like uh, different leaders that we've seen in the scripture. Like David made horrible decisions. Moses, horrible decisions. 
Um, Joshua raises a generation, but the generation after him doesn't know the Lord. So, you know, there's a lot of uh, issues that come up with discipling people. And God's had to think about God's family was the children of Israel. He had 12 sons. So, of course, they were the sons of Jacob, but by virtue, they were God's family on Mm -hmm. earth. So look at his 12 tribes. How did it go for them? But here's the key. In heaven, there are still 12 thrones Mm -hmm. because God was committed to the 12 tribes. He's committed to the 12. Mm -hmm. And so ultimately, God is consistent with his people. He consistently disciples us. He never leaves us or forsakes us. He leaves the 99 for the one. Mm -hmm. And what does that mean? That he is consistent. And so he's the father that runs after the prodigal son doesn't wait for the son to come to him as much as he runs to him. Right. So the discipler has to know if you're going to disciple someone, then how far along in the journey will you commit? Mm-hmm. Will you disciple them until they do good? Or will you stay discipling them if they don't do good? You know, are you only going to disciple those that make you look good because they follow you and they don't give you a lot of headaches and heartaches? Or will you stick it out with the one that even gives you headaches and heartaches? Right. Because a lot of people want to be discipled, but unless the discipler is not committed to the process, people give up. You know, one of the things that I've said and we teach here is that discipleship starts with a discipler. It it, It really, that is the most, to me, that's the most important ingredient. You have to have somebody, like you just said, that's willing to spend the time and, and invest the time into somebody through, you know, through thick and thin. Like you said, when it's good, it's good. When it's bad, I'm still here. I'm not leaving you because you're invested. Yeah. And so what happens is, is that a lot of times, like you just mentioned, uh, things get tough and you're like, well, you're not listening. I'm next. Yes. And that's not discipleship. Well, it, it isn't, but it's oftentimes the mentality that we have to battle with. Like, for yes. instance, um, I used to say things like this to leaders. You know, we're growing, so if we have to grow without you, we understand. Wow. Our, our church is growing. Things, Great things are happening. I just hope that you'll stay with us, because if not, we'll have to grow without you. Mm-hmm. And we don't want to, but we love you. But, And I would say it, you know, with a tone of love and and even concern, but the underlining theme is basically this. Though you've you've been with me for the past 10 years and it's been great, but if you don't want to continue to grow with us and we have to lose you, unfortunately we will. And when you're in the leadership position and the leadership powerful position of you're the man, you're the one in charge, it's so easy to make those statements. And they're true. In essence, they are true. But when you're a discipler, you realize, okay, hold it. I could say that to you and, it, and I have the right to say it. But I also have to remember that person has been with you for 10 years, Sergio. And they gave up birthday parties to be at your meetings and your conferences. Uh, They gave up vacations to disciple people. They gave up money to build your ministry in the house of God. So to just flippantly say, hey, you're either going to be with us or not, reveals you still don't understand the power of discipleship. Wow. How, how would discipleship change the church in America? Well, I think we have to realize that the people that are following Jesus in you, they have laid it down to the most they can, to the best that they can. 
what happens in, in church is that we're always looking for the new families that are coming in because we're looking to fill seats and to grow the kingdom of God and to get people out of hell into heaven. But what happens is just because the church is filling up doesn't mean the church is getting healthy. Mm-hmm. So there's a growing church that also has to be a healthy church mm-hmm. so that it can reproduce healthy churches mm-hmm. because you'll reproduce what you are, not what you preach or you teach necessarily. Yeah. So the key is to be a, a leader who will love people back to life, who be like the good Samaritan, who will get off of their horse, take the person that's half dead, give them the oil and the wine, take them to the inn, you know, tell the innkeeper, whatever you spend, when I come back, I will repay you. Mm-hmm. So when that happens, the good Samaritan was the one that showed mercy. The priest was the one that saw the person half dead and walked on the other side. So to disciple effectively, the, the message needs to be stay committed to the process of loving people back to life, mm-hmm. even when it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Because there are no throwaway people in the kingdom. Sure, there's people that need to take maybe a different role in this season. Sure. Or maybe we need to slow down Hmm. so that they can continue with us in a discipleship relationship. Um, Because oftentimes we don't slow down for people Hmm. because somehow we're in a hurry to get somewhere. And we are. Because our mind tells us, I'm not happy until I'm going to get there, until I build the building, until the building's filled, until we have more campuses. There's always a next in us. It, you know, it's a, it's a tension, right? Because you're, you, you, you understand the urgency, but you also have to have the patience, you know, to, to not leave people behind. Yes. We would never leave our kids behind. We, you know, like our children. But we, we do. But, but you know what I'm saying? But, but let me say this. But we do. So let me say this to you. The problem is, is that we do leave our kids behind. Wow. Because you're supposed to. Okay. Okay. Come on. Okay. You're supposed to. What you're supposed to do is raise your kids. Yes. Or your disciples to the point where they become interdependent with you. So Jesus' parents did leave them behind. Mm. And that's a perfect example. Mm. Like no one ever preaches that Mary and Joseph were bad parents. But they were bad parents. They left Jesus behind. I mean, what parent forgets about their kid for three days? Would you? No. (laughs) Okay. So in the standards of Christianity today, Joseph and Mary would be known as bad parents. This is child abuse. We don't leave a festival, okay? We don't leave Coachella, Christian Coachella, Hmm. and make our way back to the city that takes three days to travel. And go, oh, Joseph, where's Jesus? But the truth is, we do leave them behind. Mm-hmm. And we need to. But we just have to know that when we're leaving them behind, that we've built enough in them mm-hmm. that they know where they should be when they're left behind. Wow. So Jesus knew where to go when he was left behind. He didn't go party. He didn't go, well, I'm alone. Woo, woo, freedom, people, let's go. Mm-hmm. He said, okay. I have the liberty of time. I know where to go. Mm. So the key of discipleship is to raise children who are first dependent upon you, who you give them a room to be independent of you so that they can make the choice to be interdependent with you. Mm. 
So Jesus, they was dependent on his mom and dad. Jesus becomes independent at 12. And what does he choose? To go to the temple and not turn up somewhere, okay? And as a result, his parents come back. He tells them, where else would I be but in my father's house? And then it says, here's the key verse. He submitted to them and went with them. That's interdependence. Well, that's so good. It's about raising and releasing, right? Absolutely. So if I'm going to raise a disciple and know that I'm going to release them, I'm going to stay committed to them because you're not done until they're released into theirs. Yes. And so sometimes you're the parent that they are dependent upon. But if you don't have the capacity as a leader to lead them through their season of independence, then someone else is going to lead them through their season of independence. Mm. Another church, another pastor. And if you're the pastor that can only lead them through the season of independence because you're an independent person and independent people attract independent people, and then they're going to want to go back to where they're first discipled and that bothers you, mm-hmm. or they find someone that is has another level of fathering that they could be interdependent with, not control them, but also have a relationship with them, then they're going to leave the independent leader who's discipled them through the independent stage and find the leader who will be able to have the, the strength, the maturity, and the the stability within them, the the confidence within them, the soundness within yeah. them, the health within them, the security within them to say, hey, I could disciple you and be free from you, but if you choose, that's cool. But if you don't, you're still okay. Mm. Our relationship doesn't change. Mm. So few pastors and leaders, we can lead people from dependent stage to follow them through in their independent stage with the hopes to give them the choice to choose us or not stage. Because it takes a very secure leader to do that. So that's why a leader will start with this pastor. They'll go to this pastor. They'll go to that pastor. Because eventually they're going to find who's their next season. Because the one that they started with didn't have the the length, breadth of leadership, knowledge, and maturity to see the seed and to know that one day they're going to have their own tree with fruit and you got to respect them. This is great stuff. This is so good, man. I I don't even know how to finish that. That that really is, I mean, the goal of discipleship. Me as a yeah. pastor, I'm listening to this, and that's that's my heart for all of my And it's the heart for our children, yes. too. Yes. Yes. So you like don't, you would yeah, you would never leave your kids behind. Absolutely. Yeah. You're supposed to. <laughs> you you raise them to release them. That's, that's the it. point. That's it. Because that's why that's why I challenge the thought. Yeah. You know, you would never leave your kids behind. Yeah. But we do. Yeah. And you're supposed we, to. We need to. You need to, and you need to raise them already like they're going to release them. Yeah, because if not, they'll be living in your basement until they're 35 years old. Well, <laughs> but, but you see, what's worse than that is that you, the reason why children stay in their houses, their parents' houses until they're 35 in the basement is because the parent didn't mature. Hello. Yeah, the, the parent says, I need you to validate me. I need you emotionally, so I'll create the space for you and the comfort for you. Thing. That's that's another podcast. That's another, another podcast. One. I really hope that you enjoyed the podcast that I did with Pastor George Molina from Lifeway Church. And you should check out his podcast, um, 2819, for other conversations about discipleship. But I'm going to trust that something that I said got you back on the pathway of restoration. 
Maybe you've been tired of being on the path. Maybe it inspired you. Don't give up. Whatever stage you are, I want to encourage you that God knows where you are, knows where you need to be, and knows how to get you there. So I want to just close this podcast by praying with you and believing for God to do the final work, the continual work that leads to his final work in your life. Father, I thank you that whatever you begin, you end. And I thank you that what you're doing in the hearts of those that are watching this podcast is real, authentic. Though it feels raw and painful, I pray, Father, that we won't give up in the midst of the pain until we experience our promise. So I speak your blessing and favor over everyone that's watching the podcast, Road to Restoration. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for watching. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for hitting the notification button. And most importantly, thanks for subscribing and sharing it with your friends. Thanks. We'll talk to you next week. God bless you.